It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we are talking about the defensive side of the Falcons trenches, looking at Ade Ogundeji's future potential and where the Falcons still need help in enhancing their defensive front. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we've spent the last couple of days talking about the offensive line, and today we'll be talking about the defensive line, talking about Adeo Gadeji, Taquan Graham, Jacob Tuity Manor. We'll talk about the, the future of the Falcons' defensive front and sort of where they need to make further investments, as well as talking about Grady Jarrett's potential beyond this year with the Falcons. But before we get into all of that, I want to introduce myself. You guys know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, formerly covering the Falcons for roughly 15 years over at Falcfans.com. RIP, no longer uh, a defunct website at this point in time, but you can still find me on Twitter at Falcfans, writing weekly content over at the Falcoholic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons. And of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast or daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Falcons your first listen of the day. Of course, Locked On Falcons is free and available on all podcast platforms, Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify, and many more. But of course, now Locked On Falcons is free and available on YouTube as well, where you can watch video of these Locked On Falcons episodes a few hours earlier than the audio version of the podcast. So if you're eager to get my insights into today, the Falcons pass rushers and defensive players up front, like we've discussed the last couple of days with the offensive linemen, you can check that out a few hours early on Thursday night instead of Friday morning, like you normally would uh, for the audio version of the podcast. So, you know, we've talked about the Falcons offensive line the last couple of days, focusing quite a bit of attention on the young players like Jalen Mayfield and Matt Hennessy and Kayla McGarry, particularly yesterday and sort of my expectations, my observations from what those guys have performed like so far this year through five games and what my expectations are for several of those players for the next year or two, uh, should they wind up being starters. And if you missed those episodes in summary, essentially I don't necessarily consider any of those three players yet to be long-term assets as starters in terms of guys that I could necessarily pencil in starting for this team, you know, not just for the next two years, but potentially for the next three to five years. I'm not quite there with those guys, but in particular, Kayla McGarry is probably the guy that I tend to defend a little bit more 
in large part due to, uh, you know, I think he doesn't get enough credit for when he has played well, uh, rather than mostly people focusing on when he's played poorly, uh, which is not the case for some of the other younger players. And given the presence of Matt Ryan for at least the foreseeable future here, I think it's a much bigger concern to beef up your interior offensive line, given the style of play that Matt Ryan is being that pocket quarterback than necessarily being as concerned with Kayla McGarry as an offensive tackle. And so I tend to put Mayfield and Hennessy, the Falcons left guard and center respectively under a little bit more scrutiny for me than I do Kayla McGarry, the Falcons starting right tackle. But given that we've talked so much about the offensive line, let's flip sides to the defensive line and talk about some of the young players like Ade Ogundeji, Taquan Graham, Jacob Tuity Mariner as well. And we'll get later in this episode, we'll talk about sort of the future of that position and how much more investments that the Falcons need to potentially make on that position. And we'll talk a little bit about Grady Jarrett's future, but starting things off with Ade Ogundeji, he has been impressive to me. He has been a pleasant surprise for me, given that, you know, my expectations going into the season, I think he's exceeded sort of the initial floor I had for him. I think he's not only, only shown a little bit more of a technical prowess as a pass rusher than I initially thought he would, but he's also been a much more frequent contributor to special teams, something I did not expect him to have that role. And one of the reasons why I thought he would have a quiet rookie season and be mostly inactive is because I didn't necessarily see him carving out a role on special teams and thus have no reason uh, for the Falcons to activate him each and every week. But I think he's done a, a more than capable job when he's gotten those opportunities on special teams as well as on defense. And, you know, the thing with his floor as a pass rusher, one of the reasons why he's impressed me is I think he's been a little bit more technical uh, than I expected. That was one of the things I observed of Ade Ogundeji at Notre Dame is that he tended to use a lot more moves than your average typical pass rusher. He wasn't necessarily refined in those moves, but he tried to throw multiple pitches to use a baseball analogy. Uh, You know, he wasn't just a one pitch type of guy, which is what you often find with the college game where guys are trying to make the jump and they're really good at that one pitch. And then they get to the NFL level and the pitch, is not as effective largely due to the jumping competition, but also because offensive linemen watch film too. And if they know that you basically got one good pitch, they will gear their game plan around stopping that pitch. And generally speaking, the guys that start games in the NFL are generally good. And so they do a pretty good job of stopping that pitch. And then if you don't have any counters or anything to throw alternative to that initial pitch, then you're basically dead in the water as a young pass rusher and purely surviving off of your athleticism. So I like seeing at a B a little bit more technical using his length, using his hands uh, to beat some of those blocks. And we've seen flashes of that, but all of that being said, there's always a, but I'm not as high on at a potential in his ceiling as I think others at least seem to be, you know, one of the things that was the buzz I saw from multiple people on Monday after the Falcons jets game uh, was sort of how well at a played in that game. And while I, you know, I think he did play well going back and watching the film, I didn't, you know, see all the hype, what the, all the hype was about. I think he certainly had a, a number of positive rushes. I think a number of the Falcons edge rushers had a number of positive rushes. Dante Fowler played well. Jacob Tuody made a number of plays. You know, what you won't hear people talk about is this was Stephen Means' best game as well. And then the reason for that is because it doesn't necessarily fit the agenda, which is my agenda too, of not having the Falcons feature uh, Stephen means nearly as much. We'll get more on that later in the episode, but you know, given some of that buzz that I heard from Adi Ogundeji about Adi Ogundeji on Monday, I was kind of expecting, okay, well I'm popping the film and he's going to be popping all over um, the film. 
And that was not necessarily the case. What I saw with Adeogun Deji uh, in terms of, I don't necessarily know if I can really adjust his ceiling. I can certainly adjust his floor up, but that ceiling, you know, it's staying the same. The floor goes up, but the ceiling is roughly the same. And the reason for that is, is because with Adeogun Deji's ceiling, while he has that technical ability, I don't necessarily know if the other elements that you're looking for for a, a, a capable pass rusher, a high-level pass rusher, are there. And those elements are you're looking at speed, you're looking at power. And those are areas that – those are boxes that Adeogun Deji didn't really check for me coming out of Notre Dame. And I haven't seen much from him so far in the preseason or during these first five games of the regular season that feels makes me feel like he has checked those boxes. And, and, and you know, that was one of the reasons why when we drafted Adeogun I was more interested in bulking him up uh, and putting on, you know, 10, 15 pounds of muscle because I don't know if speed is something that you're really going to enhance at the NFL level. If you don't have the speed coming into the league, you're probably not going to add uh, more speed. Although I, I know Matt Ryan and his speed training uh, makes people uh, believe otherwise. But, uh, you know, in terms of power, that's at least theoretically, that's something that you could add that by getting stronger, bigger and stronger. Um, and essentially what I wanted to kind of do with Adeogun Deji so that he could check one of those additional boxes to really, you know, enhance his potential as a pass rusher was to bulk him up a little bit and essentially make him into the, the version of Tack McKinley we saw in 2018, affectionately known as Fat Tack, that was a player that could potentially move inside and, and rush in addition to providing some juice off the edge, uh, being a guy that can line up in multiple uh, ways across the D-line and, and be able to create mismatches in that way. And I'm still optimistic about that potential, long-term potential with Adeogun Deji. And so for me, when I look at him uh, so far this season, I, I see a lot of promising things, a lot of things I like, but I need to see more. And, and that's why I want to see more opportunities for him moving forward um, as a, a, a guy that can get more reps. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we continue today's episode. But again, I, I really like him right now, still more as a depth guy uh, at this point in time, but certainly I think probably a little bit more valuable a depth guy than I initially expected. Like my expectations going into the season where like, yeah, you might get one or two sacks from Ade Ogundeji. You might get like 15, 20, maybe a little bit more pressures from him this upcoming season. But now, I, I think, you know, if he can get those increased reps over these next 11 games, you know, we might move that needle up to maybe three or four sacks uh, in 30 to 35 pressures, which is certainly a, a promising start. But my concern is I don't know if he's going to necessarily really build off of that if he doesn't necessarily add elements to his game that's going to increase his ceiling. That was kind of what my ceiling was for him, uh, you know, over the course of his career. I, the player I compared him to was Carl Nassib. And if you look at Carl Nassib's first five years in the NFL, um, Carl Nassib's a little bit bigger and that, that's why you know I wanted him to bulk up because Carnass is like 275 and Ogun is like 260 but if he had bulked up like I saw his potential and you look at Carl Nassib's uh, average production he would have average four sacks and 28 pressures over his first five years so like that's kind of where maybe Adeo can get this year but I don't know if he's going to do much more beyond that in future years uh, just purely off of winning off of technique and whatnot I think the, the ceiling for that is a little bit lower if you don't have the sort of physical elements from speed and power uh, to, to really 
uplift that. So that's the point I want to make. So a lot of promise for Matty Ogundeji, but need to see more. And hopefully we get to see more opportunities from him moving forward. We'll talk about the opportunities that we'll get to see from Taquan Graham and Jacob Tuuni Mariner as we continue today's Locked On Falcons podcast. But before we get into that, guys, we know that football season is underway and all eyes are now on the gridiron. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated website and interface and new odds, props, and contests. BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. And use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. The odds to win the National League, the Atlanta Braves are plus 180, which means if you bet $100, you win $180. You also got this weekend Georgia being 22-point favorites at home against Kentucky, with the line moving somewhat in Kentucky's favor because the line opened up with tw- Georgia being 23.5-point favorites at the beginning of the week. But no matter which bet you like, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, baseball, boxing, basketball, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So, you know, I don't have as much to say about Taquan Graham as I did about Adi Ogundeji. I think he's been solid as a rotational piece. You know, he's coming off a Jets performance that was probably his weakest of the year. And that was reflected in his PFF grades. There was a couple of times where he seemed to get pushed around uh, against the run, uh, particularly against double teams. And uh, in the previous weeks, I thought he did a pretty solid job as a pass. I mean, as a run defender, we're not seeing as much from him as a pass rusher, but that's to be expected uh, given where I thought he was as a very raw but uh, athletic player, but raw pass rusher coming into the league out of Texas. But, you know, I I think he's a guy that certainly has proven that he could be a, a valuable asset in the Falcons rotation because of his ability to play multiple techniques um, and play with a high motor and all these various things. But I'm curious to see if the Falcons do you know, what we're talking about with Adi Ogundeji, but potentially with Taquan Graham is bulk him up because if he's going to be more of that interior guy, that's going to take on more double teams like that. And I think there's one path where that's what the Falcons potentially envision for him, you know, playing at that 290, 295 pound range that he was listed at coming out of college is probably, not ideal for that and you would rather see him in that 310 315 range uh it does look like he's a little bit bigger than uh he was in college but you know i don't know if he's quite that big and so we might have to get him on the crystal at 3 a.m diet in order to bulk him up uh this off season so that's something to keep an eye on moving on to jacob tuity mariner he is certainly flashed as a pass rusher um and basically all the plays 
that Jacob Tillery Manor is making is purely effort sacks. He's not a speed guy. He's not a power guy. He's not really a technical guy. He's just going to win purely with effort. We saw that sack against Philadelphia. We saw that sack again this past week against the Jets. Um, and so, I, you know, we haven't really seen the player that we saw last year in that Raiders game where he really went off in that game. Uh, but that's been basically the one game where it looked like, okay, this guy's got some real juice as a pass rusher. And it, since then, it's just kind of been purely effort and whatnot. So, uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to get much more from Jacob Tewin Mayer than what we've seen for the most part over the last couple of years. But certainly that's a player that is a valuable piece uh, in your rotation and, and certainly a guy that can contribute on special teams and, and be a little bit more of that coverage guy uh, that the Falcons have been looking for from a player like Steven Means moving forward. So I think the Falcons have three capable young players that can certainly be a part of the rotation, but none of these guys I'm quite looking at as potential starters or at least long-term starters, just kind of like, well, we, we got to put somebody out there in the starting lineup and maybe we can put one of these guys out there in a pinch. And, you know, that goes to what we're talking about with Steven Means. Um, and one of the things that you've heard me consistently complain about on this podcast over the last couple of weeks is why Steven Means continues to get such a high amount of workload. Now, one of the th- complaints I've had is that they have been dropping him in the coverage way too much. Now, thankfully, that has changed over the last couple of weeks. Those first two games, Steven Means averaged uh, 15 snaps in coverage. Uh, in the last three weeks, it's down to four. So he's getting 11 less snaps in coverage each week. But while, you know, that's an improvement from Dean Pease and, and company, you know, he's still not getting a reduction in snaps because those 11 snaps are now being utilized him as a pass rusher. Now, that's good for Stephen Means because that's a better way of utilizing him. But I think the problem is, you know, these the first two games, he was only rushing the quarterback about 18 times a game. Now he's averaging over the last three weeks about 29 times a game. And so, that you know, that's a little bit too much. You would rather those 11 snaps go to players like Ogundeji and Jacob Tuodi Mariner uh, just because, you know, this is no, in no slander uh, zone when it comes to Stephen Means. He's a player we like, but at this point in time with his age, given that, you know, this is a contract year, you want to see these young guys get more opportunities moving forward. And you've heard mention of talk about maybe – part of the Falcons plan is not to sort of throw these young guys to the wolves and, and slowly bring them along over the course of the year. Now we have 11 game stretch where it's now the, the time to get these guys ready to go. Um, you know, it's been referred to as the, roughly the length of a college football season for, for these guys. And so now it's time. Okay. Now you're going to gear these guys up. So I'm eager to see if the Falcons do that. And if we get to see more of Ogan Deja, we get to see more of Taquan Graham, we get to see more of Jacob Tootie Merida moving forward. And that means less reps for Steve means um, who, you know, again, as I mentioned at the top of the show uh, is coming off a pretty solid game against the jets, but uh, certainly not something that we really want to see repeat uh, moving forward, just because we want to see the, some of those young guys moving forward. But uh, you know, Ogundeji did get his biggest workload to date against the jets. So that's a positive sign, but I think that's probably more related to Dante Fowler uh, snap count being reduced due to the injury. I think it was a knee injury that he seemed to suffer because it seemed at some point in the game uh, based off of the film I watched he was he was donning a, a knee brace that he wasn't sporting at the beginning of the game. So we'll have to monitor that moving forward or whatever the case may be, uh, because Dante Fowler has been playing reasonably well uh, this season, you know, got off to a good start against the Jets, and we've seen him make some plays the last couple of weeks against teams like Tampa Bay and the Giants as well. So uh, we, we kind of need Dante Fowler moving forward, uh, you know, for the remainder of the year. But one wonders what Dante Fowler's long-term potential here is in 
Atlanta um, because the Falcons, you know, when you look at this whole group as a defensive line, it's kind of barren up front. They don't have a ton of talent, and that's going to be something that they're going to have to work on uh, moving forward and particularly next offseason. That's what we're going to get into as we wrap up today's Locked on Falcons, which I, again, appreciate you guys for making your first listen of the day. But I have a recommendation for your second listen of the day. That is the Locked on Bulldogs podcast. If you want to catch up with all things Georgia Bulldogs and why that team is poised to make this SEC title run, check out the Locked on Bulldogs hosted by Daniel and Clint, and you can find Locked on Bulldogs, free and available on all podcast platforms, as well as on YouTube. So go check out Locked on Bulldogs there. So when we're talking about, you know, Adi Ogundeji adding more power to his game, you know, that probably means getting a little bit more protein in his diet. And the best way that I know to do that is with Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar has several delicious flavors. Whether you're a fan of coconut almond like me, or you prefer mint brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, salted caramel. There's something for everyone. And there's also the occasional limited time flavors such as Rocky Road, Apple Almond Crisp, Churro Puff, Strawberry Puff. Try them all with a mix box. Built Bars are great because they taste just like a candy bar containing 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, but you get none of the guilt of eating a candy bar because Built Bars are healthy too. They're low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber. Go order yourself some today by heading over to the website at built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So we're talking about the Falcons front and, you know, you have Grady Jarrett moving forward. We've seen a little bit about Marlon Davidson. Um, but we haven't seen enough of Marlon Davidson given we haven't seen through a year and a half, roughly a year and a quarter, I guess you could say, uh, more than three healthy games in a row for Marlon Davidson. So hopefully we can get him on the mend and so we can see what he has moving forward. But I think, you know, these next 11 games is going to tell us a lot about what the Falcons have from a talent standpoint up front. I think, you know, as I said, JTM, Ogundeji, uh, Taquan Graham, they, to me are valuable rotational guys, but they're kind of back in rotational guys. If you're looking for a front, you know, looking at the D lineman, the interior D lineman, the edge rushers, you typically, you're looking for an eight man group that you can have active each and every Sunday that can contribute, um, you know, in, in terms of your pass rush and your run defense and whatnot. And right now, you know, you're, you're looking at that eight man breakdown usually breaks down to like four D linemen and four edges. Right. And so you look at the D line, you know, Grady Jarrett, if you're stacking them one, two, three, four, you know, in terms of their hierarchy of, of their value, you know, Grady Jarrett's your one at a D line. You know, we're hoping that Marlon Davidson can be that, too. Um, but right now, the best you can say in, in, until he gets healthy is, is he's a three at this point in time. Um, and to, to be honest with you, when you look at when he has performed, he has performed more like a four on a, on a quality D line rotation. But, um, you know, 
hopefully he can rise up to be a, a three in that regard. But let's pencil in Taquan Graham as our four and Marlon Davidson as our three. That means you need a two, right? You need a running mate. Tyler Davidson, while fine, is really like, you know, in New Orleans, he was basically a four, right? So that, that kind of tells you, and he's a two here in Atlanta. Uh, so that kind of tells you what type of uh, talent you need uh, moving forward if you want to uh, improve that group. Uh, so, you know, hopefully Marlon Davidson can, can sort of rise up in that regard. But right now we can't really count on him. As far as the edge rushers go, you know, let's pencil in JTM as a four. Let's put Ogundeji as a three. Again, ideally, I think Ogundeji is probably a four. JTM is probably a five, if we're being completely honest, because he's more of a special teams guy than a guy that you want playing a ton of snaps on defense. But again, beggars can't be choosers right now, and the Falcons need to see what they have with JTM, and, and maybe he is a legit four or whatever the case may be. But you need a one and two. Is Dante Fowler, uh, even though he's playing well, probably not long for this world. I mean, I don't want to say it like that. Uh, he's probably not long for Atlanta, right? So this is probably his final year, just like Tyler Davidson. You have a bunch of other guys on sort of cheap one-year contracts, Jonathan Ballard, Mike Pinnell, Stephen Means, Stephen Sonat. All these guys are free agents next year. You know, some of these guys could return at veteran minimums, but no, no, none of those guys, you know, outside of maybe Fowler, are, are bringing anything to the table that you're not already getting from the Grahams, the Ogundegis, the JTMs, the Marlon Davidsons, et cetera. So you're just basically, you're not, they're not being the twos that you need a deal line they're not being the one or the two uh, that you need as the edge rusher maybe Fowler is a two as an edge rusher but you know we're not we're probably not bringing Fowler back so essentially as far as I see it you know you got your you know if you were stacking them one through eight Grady Jarrett's your one Marlon Davidson's probably your five uh, Ogundeji's your six and Taquan Graham and, and JTM are your seven and the eight and so you need a two a three and a four so you need three starting caliber defensive linemen uh, for this Falcons front moving forward you know and that contrasts to where you are on the offensive side of the ball the offensive line yeah you have some young players but you're not feeling like you know we could certainly upgrade some of those positions uh, let, let's not diminish that point but it's not like you need bodies. Like you, you kind of need bodies in terms of starting caliber players on the defensive line moving forward. If this defense is going to improve over the next couple of years and the Falcons don't have that. And that's where you want to go out there and get those players. And we're at a point now, given how well Matt Ryan has played the last couple of weeks that maybe we're not having the conversation that I was having, you know, two weeks ago uh, or going into that week three, the Friday in the week three game uh, where we were talking about, you know, the potential of the Falcons using their top pick on a quarterback because it's time to, you know, potentially turn the page on Matt Ryan sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, hopefully you're at a point where if Matt Ryan can maintain this for the next 11 weeks, um, then you're probably punting on taking a quarterback at the top of the first round, uh, especially given, you know, expectations and all indications are that this is a very lackluster quarterback class that you don't want to be using a first round pick. It's certainly not a top 10 or 15 pick on a quarterback this upcoming year. And so maybe you can wait to day two and take someone like Kenny Pickett, you know, out of the university of Pittsburgh, a, a, a heck of an institution. Um, if you don't know, I, I'm a, a Pitt alum. Uh, so, um, you know, maybe you can take a sort of developmental backup that maybe has some long-term potential there to sit behind Matt Ryan. So therefore you can use that top 10, that top 15 pick that the Falcons presumably will probably wind up with, um, you know, on a, on a pass rusher, particularly an edge rusher. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to go into some of the candidates or certain guys I'll keep my eyes on, but, uh, you know, I don't like getting into the pro projection prognostication where guys are going to pick game. I just, you know, this time of year, I'm all about, let's just talk about the evaluation of the players, not try to project where they're going to get picked, which is why I always, you know, tend to get upset uh, when I see people complaining about mock drafts. I'm like, you're, you're you know, don't worry about where guys are going to get picked until six months from now when you actually can actually have an accurate portrait of that. Just 
let's just focus on the evaluation product. But um, there's a couple of guys I, I, I've watched and I like, but we'll, we'll get into that uh, later, you know, in the season before we start talking about those guys. Um, but, you know, I want to see what, what we have right before we really start focusing on, on the draft. But, um, you know, you're probably going to potentially, ideally, you're going to get, you know, an edge or something like that. Uh, that, that guy can, that can be the one uh, in your edge group that can be the two to, to Grady Jarrett's one in your overall eight-man rotation at the top of the draft. But where are you going to get the, the, the other two guys? Where are you going to get the other starting D tackle? Where are you going to get the other edge rusher? You know, you probably not, can't really rely on, on getting those guys, you know, one, two, and three in the draft. I mean, you could, but then where does that leave you with the other positions that you need? Where does it leave you with the quarterback, the running back, the wide receiver, the, you know, the corners, the safeties that you also need to address, linebacker potentially as well. Falcons have so many holes at this point, and that's why, we know that they're at the beginning of their uh, rebuilding process. Um, and so that's where free agency becomes valuable. And how do you spend in free agency? Well, you got to have money, right? And so that means you have to make decisions on, on certain contracts. Matt Ryan's contract, Jake Matthews' contract, Deion Jones, Calvin Ridley. Um, you know, these are the big contracts that you have to make decisions on. Are you going to restructure these guys? Are you going to trade these guys? Are you going to cut these guys, right? Are you going to extend these guys? Whatever. And then, of course, we have, we're talking about Grady Jarrett when we're talking about D line and you know, 2022 is the final year of his current contract. So he, he signed for one more year after this one, but you know, what are you going to do with Grady Jarrett's contract? Cause his cap hit next year is $24 million. And the easiest way to lower that is by extending his contract. But if you extend Grady Jarrett, you're going to pay him a lot of money. All right. The, the market for a D tackle of Grady Jarrett's caliber based off of what Leonard Williams signed this past off season, what DeForest Buckner signed the previous off season, you know, it's $21 million a year. You're, you're approaching Aaron Donald, Mike, because Aaron Donald's making about $22.5 million a year uh, in terms of where you would have to pr- potentially pay Grady Jarrett to extend his contract. And do the Falcons want to do that? I don't know the answer to that. Now, uh, I'm not advocating that the Falcons shouldn't want to do that. I certainly think Grady Jarrett is more than worth the money, um, given that I, I expect him to have, you know, in addition to this year, potentially three more prime seasons left. So if you give him a three-year extension, like we saw uh, the Giants do with Linda Williams, you know, that would that would work and that would give you three years of having your one um, and then you can add your two next this offseason, potentially a three to four. And you can then three years from now, four years from now, then you can you know move on from Grady Jarrett and, and replace him with another one or whatever the case may be. So it makes perfect sense for the Falcons to, to keep Grady Jarrett. But do they want to do that? Does this regime want to hand out another big contract if they're so worried about, you know, getting out of this cap nightmare? It doesn't make a ton of sense uh, to start handing out, you know, some of the most lucrative contracts, which, you know, that only speaks to Grady Jarrett, but it also talks about Calvin Ridley moving forward. So that's going to be something uh, this regime is going to have to answer. And I don't know the answer uh, to that. So, you know, moving forward, we're, we're talking about, you know, with Grady Jarrett and his potential, you know, is the team not only does do they want, not want to spend the money, will they deem Grady Jarrett worth that type of money? Right. Because, you know, I think Grady Jarrett's playing well this year. Him and A.J. Terrell, to me, are the sort of one-two guy uh, in terms of who's been the standout on defense this year, the, the two guys that you can generally rely on playing at a high level each and every week. Um, but, you know, when you compare Grady Jarrett's first five games – uh, so far this year and compare them to, you know, the, the first five games and, and the multitude of, of games played over the last, you know, four or so years going back to 2017. You know, this is one of the slower starts he's had this year in, in terms of, um, you know, his impact as not only a run defender, a pass rusher. And, uh, you know, if he continue if he doesn't elevate his game further and get back to the sort of the peak of his production back in 2018, 2019 uh, and parts of 2020, 
you know, for the remaining 11 games this year, is the team going to feel compelled to, to say, well, he's not really worth $21 million. Maybe he's worth $18 million, but not necessarily $21 million if we can't get more out of him. And, you know, there's reasons why potentially you're, you're, you're talking about why Grady Jarrett isn't getting off to a fast start. Some of it is probably owed to the fact that there isn't as much talent around him uh, this year as he's had in, in previous years. Uh, and that that could be a contributing factor, which is leading the teams double teaming a little bit more. Um, you know, I know ESPN's double team rate is suggesting that he's being doubled more this year than he was last year. I think their numbers put last year at about 57 percent this year, about 64 percent. Although, you know, that 7 percent does, you know, seems significant at, at first. But, you know, I don't know. This is the problem I have with ESPN's metrics like double team rate and pass rush win rate and run block win rate because it, it's it's not as intuitive as you think. Like, you know, if, 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 if he's been double teamed on 64% of all his pass rushing snaps this year, you know, compared to 57% on all his pass rush snaps last year, that really only averages out to being like one more time, one more snap per game where he's getting double teamed. So uh, it's hard for me to, to put too much stock into numbers like that, which is why I tend to have a beef with ESPN's sort of advanced metrics in that regard, because I don't think these numbers are nearly as significant as they like to make them out to be. You know, when they put them on those graphs and whatnot, you know, they're representing relatively small percentage point differences uh, in the, the graphs kind of mislead you into thinking that there are big gaps between some of these guys and, and some of these uh, percentage points and whatnot. And it's, it's really not like if you, if you put it on a normal graph, like they would all be plotted in like a, a single blob or whatever the case may be. So I don't know. Th- that's a complaint for another day. We, we, you know, we complain about pro football focus grades on yesterday. I'm complaining about ESPN pass rush uh, and, and run block win rate metrics on today's episode. So just equal opportunity slander for some of these advanced metrics that you see floating out there that people like to throw out there to indicate how good a player is. I, I think the ESPN ones are a little bit more iffy than the PFF ones, certainly in my eyes. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with Grady Jarrett. As I said, I'm not advocating for the Falcons to move on from Grady Jarrett, but they, they certainly have to think about it because, you know, I listened to a recent episode of Joe Corey uh, of CBS Sports, who's a former NFL agent. He was talking about some of the defensive players that were getting paid. He didn't mention Grady Jarrett on that episode. So I tweeted at him, like, what do you think about the Falcons and Grady Jarrett's potential future? And he basically said, if the Falcons aren't extending him, it makes the most sense to trade him. Um, you know, and, and that's true. Like if you're not going to extend him, you know, and pay him that huge ton of money next off season, then you might as well move on from him and, and get the draft assets and then potentially use that to, you know, do whatever you do, you know, to, to get the pass rusher, get multiple pass rushers, uh, to accumulate those draft picks so that you can go and get a quarterback in a draft class where it's worth, uh, going and getting a quarterback or whatever the case may be. So that's something that the Falcons have to think about and where, where they eventually fall on that. I have no idea, but certainly it's going to be a topic of conversation as we, uh, continue on locked on Falcons and that's going to do it. Guys, for this week of Lockdown Falcons, I appreciate you for checking us out on YouTube in our first week on YouTube. And we'll continue to be, you know, five days a week on YouTube, um, you know, and, and probably posting these the night before they air on the audio just to, you know, drive up traffic uh, to the YouTube so that we can build up our numbers there. So go subscribe to Locked On Falcons on YouTube. Make sure you leave a comment, you know, good, bad, negative, all the things in between. Give us a thumbs up, uh, you know just for the heck of it, <laughs> uh, you know, all these various things that help us on the YouTube algorithm, by all means, you know, you longtime supporters, even if you don't watch us on YouTube, go and just swing by and give us a thumbs up on all the videos, uh, just so you can help, uh, you know, get us in, in front of more eyeballs. Uh, and, um, 
you know, I appreciate you guys for uh, making Lockdown Falcons your first listen of the day and, and giving us those thumbs up and giving us those comments and all those various things. Uh, but, uh, you know, I always have recommendations for your second listen of the day once you stop listening to my dulcet tones here on Lockdown Falcons. And, of course, got to plug Peacock and Williamson if you want to stay plugged in to all things NFL with all 32 NFL teams. Check out the analysis that you hear from Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson on the Peacock and Williamson podcast, which is, of course, part of Lockdown Podcast Network, which means it's free and available on all podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, and Spotify. And, guys, if you want to provide any feedback that you want uh, from me, of course, leave a comment on the YouTube stuff. But if you just want to send it directly so that no one else can see it, uh, you can send it to me via email at LockedOnFalcons at Mail.com. Or you can hit me up on the social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook where you can find me under LockedOnFalcons. That's going to do it, guys, for us today on Locked On Falcons. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you enjoy your stress-free, uh, Falcons-free weekend. You know, go Bulldogs, go Braves, all these various things. Go Rams. You know, we're, we're all supporting the various teams that we're supporting this year. So I hope you guys enjoy your Falcons-free weekend. Have a great one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.